Hi, I'm Denise Bailey. And I'm Dr. Monica Parker. And you're listening to My Parents Are Now My Kids, a medical doctor's view and daughter's journey through memory loss and other dementias. As a doctor, I'll help you navigate through the often confusing, confounding, and frequently frustrating technical aspects of dementia. And as a daughter, I'll share with you some things I've experienced caring for and loving my parents who both struggled with these disorders. We want you to have hope and to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And we'll tell you that sometimes that light is coming straight at you and you just have to get out of the way. Let's get started. Hi, Dr. Monica. Hi, Denise. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for asking. Um, I wanted to talk to you about um, how to find a good doctor when your loved one has dementia. And I know that the doctor sometimes has to deal with the medical and the mental aspects of dementia. Um, So how do you do that? Well, First of all, you can't really separate the medical part from the dementia part. You have to know what's going on with the medical part before you can decide that you've actually got dementia. So what do I mean by that? Well, we know that there are a number of different things that can cause your brain not to work properly. And so you need to see a good primary care doctor, whether it's an internist or a family medicine doctor, to sort through those things that are fixable. So as an example, some older adults, people over the age of 65 who are on a lot of medicines, for example, may be on medications that may be interacting badly with another, each other. And that makes them a little bit more confused than they might be. Um, maybe they have a urinary tract infection or an ongoing infection that's kind of like creeping in but isn't really obvious. And, or maybe they even have, let's say, an electrolyte abnormality, like they're dehydrated. They don't look like they're dehydrated to you as a lay person, but maybe they're lightheaded and dizzy and they'll say things like, oh, I'm weak, I feel, like ba- I feel bad and I'm stumbling around a little bit. And then you start to notice that their cognition or their thinking abilities are a little off. You need to see a doctor for that. Right. And I remember um, when we talked earlier about, you know, keeping the physical body as healthy as possible to help to try to offset some of the uh, dementia and Alzheimer's symptoms. Um, the things you're mentioning now, like dehydration and urinary tract infections, they may sound minor, but they can be major in someone with, in, with dementia. In older adults, um, they can be very catastrophic. You know, a lot catastrophic from my standpoint means we're no longer able to manage it without putting them in the hospital and putting them on IV medications and IV fluids. So if you have a good relationship with a primary care doctor that you are comfortable with, you need to have comfort and confidence in that provider's ability to hear what you're saying, to do the right kind of evaluation, uh, 
to sort out and pick out those medical things that need to be fixed. That's perfect. So how, as a family member and a loved one, how do we go about finding that doctor? No one's perfect, but how do you go about finding that perfect fit for your loved one? So the first comment would be, or question would be, who are they seeing now? Okay. And if they're seeing somebody and maybe they've been going to the doctor on their own, and you as a child, a loving child or good friend, hasn't been going to the doctor with them, you don't really know what that doctor's doing. You don't really know what your relative is saying to that person. And on the surface of things, if we're not really digging into anything on any deeper level, somebody who's able to get to the doctor's office, make an appointment, walk in, probably doesn't look like they're sick. Right. So what doctors, all doctors, I don't care if it's a subspecialist or not, need to know what you're concerned about and what you've been observing. And the only way the doctor is going to get a truer picture of what's going on is if you accompany your relative to that doctor. Because almost all of the older adults I know have a doctor. So as a family member, you need to make an appointment to go to the doctor with that person and let that doctor know what you are observing or what you have observed so he or she can make a better treatment plan, an evaluation plan. That sparks a memory for me because um, I felt like I was almost a medical student when um, dad was first getting sick and then his memory was going bad because I can still put my hand on stacks and stacks of notebooks like for each type of physician that he needed and questions I needed to ask and symptoms that he had and it seems like a lot but to those folks that are listening out there it's kind of key because it it starts to get overwhelming Mm -hmm. and you need to keep a good track and that will help the doctor, whoever you go to, I remember Mm -hmm. having to write all this down and when he would have to go to the doctor for diabetes or the the cardiologist or the gastroenterologist and they would ask me questions, I would just pull out my little notebook and say, okay, this is what this doctor said and this is what that doctor said. So it's almost like just a, a bunch of doctors that you have to sort of figure out who the good one is, the one that's good for you and keep all the facts straight. Is that... Well, yeah, because I'm a primary care doctor, I have a little bias here. And if you've got a good, competent, um, compassionate, and patient primary care doctor, they will hear what you are saying. And it's our job as the primary care doctors, we like used to say, we're the ones who call the shots. We're the quarterbacks for the medical place. Right. If you do what you need to do and you allow me to have the information that I need to have, I can refer you to the proper specialist if that's what you need. If you're just hippity-hopping from this doctor to this doctor to this doctor and you're bringing your notebooks but the doctors aren't communicating with one another, you still don't have a clear picture about what's going on. Right. So as caregivers and as people who are not physicians are concerned, we have to stop trying to be physicians. You need to 
write down. It's almost like you're the detective. You just got to write the stuff down, see what you're seeing, and let the person who has the background try to interpret what it is you're seeing. Well, that's that's comforting. That, you know, is really, really helpful when you get that doctor, that primary care physician like yourself, mm-hmm. who will take the time and will, you know, be patient with you and let you tell him or her exactly what you're seeing and different doctors have found and sort of be like the quarterback, if you will. That's right. Yeah. And that's what a good primary care doctor is supposed to do. Now, do you need to see a geriatric provider, a board certified geriatric physician, psychiatrist, and all that other sort of stuff? That was my question because my father, when he first came to live with me, had just an internist like you and I would have. But I... I guess I got a little bit too proactive, and I started feeling like as he was aging, he needed he needed a geriatric specialist. So then I started hunting, and that's how you were recommended to me, and I felt more comfortable. I felt like this was the right place for him to be. Okay, so when your father was, when you brought your father to us, we were, you, you need to make things clear to people, where you brought your father was a geriatric medical center. Okay, you had geriatric primary care doctors, you had geriatric psychiatrists, and you had geriatric neurologists. In a perfect world, that doesn't really exist anywhere else. Wow. So, so the, no, that's a that's an interesting thing that you said. So that's not everywhere doesn't have facilities like that. No, no, San Francisco and certain. Urban areas have what the have specialized geriatric or units for caring for the elderly, but there are very few healthcare environments that are as comprehensive as the one you brought your father to. Most people have an internist or a PCP in one place. They have an endocrinologist another place, and you also had your father in an academic healthcare setting, which is a little different from going to local doctors who aren't associated with, let's say, uh, I'm going to say a healthcare system, for lack of a better word. Um, in the city of Atlanta, we have several healthcare systems. You have Kaiser Permanente, you have the Wellstar Hospital System, you have the Piedmont has, uh, Health System, and you have the Emory Health System. And those are four different healthcare systems None of them has a dedicated geriatric campus at this time. None of them. None of them. You will have providers that have special um, certifications for geriatric care, but you have to find them. And certain uh, systems, now I'm going to say um, the Piedmont system, for example, example, has a special uh, track for um, people greater than age 65, okay? But it is not a whole campus dedicated to the care of older adults. So that's very interesting. So what you're saying, it's it's a rarity to find an all-encompassing, all-comprehensive geriatric facility in a, in a city other than like major urban areas. Right. Now, there is a a specialty medical group, if you will. Um, It is a national company. It's called GenCare, where they specialize in care 
primary care for the adult greater than age 65. Wow. And In most major cities? I don't know about most major cities, but it's, um, I don't want to say it's a chain, but here uh, in this city, for example, we have like a gen care clinic in different communities. Okay, so this particular company started out in the West, and so they're across the country. And I think I know the answer to this, but what is the advantage of, of sending your loved one to a specific uh, geriatric focused a geriatric focused medical practice much like a person centered medical home is probably going to be a little bit more sensitive to the nuances of what occurs to people who are older with certain conditions if you or i had a urinary tract infection it'd be real obvious right. okay right. we would be coming in with a complaint about oh, i'm burning it hurts when i go and i think i have an infection mm-hmm. The average geriatric person doesn't have that. Right. They can't express that. They can't express that. And if there's somebody who has um, a little bit of cognitive disturbance, they know that they don't feel right, but they lack the words to tell you what they're exactly feeling, so you have to figure it out. So getting back to how do you pick a doctor, first thing is you have to have confidence in that doctor's ability to manage things and not go in there and dictate what you think needs to be done because, you know, you have the Google Google MD. Exactly. <laughs> All right? So we don't want you doing that. Right. Let the doctor be the doctor and help you figure it out. If you are in a provider's office and that provider doesn't seem to be listening to you and just writes a prescription and doesn't um, conduct a thorough interview, if you will, or an exam that you are comfortable with, find another doctor. And then it's like, well, so how do I find one? Well, we live in an era where many of us have healthcare plans and these healthcare plans have doctors of specific, you know, of different specialties. You know, that would be one way to look. You know, you can consult local magazines where they have best doctors, so to speak, but you can also call medical societies, county medical societies. I don't say... uh, medical boards. I said medical society. So there's a difference, right? There's a difference. The medical societies are usually practicing a com- membership is composed of practicing doctors of all different specialties. And they meet once a month, every other week or something to talk about something to learn something. Usually there are one to two hour meetings where they get continuing education units for learning about something. And in those medical societies, they can generally point out somebody in the room or from their membership, excuse me, who is a specialist in caring for X, Y, or Z. So what you're saying is it's probably a better use of the internet for loved ones and, 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 and children of people with dementia to look for a society, medical society that can guide you towards the right fit as a physician and not trying to diagnose a condition you're on right. your own. Well, you're, you're getting pretty good there. <laughs> um, but I think medical societies aren't necessarily the easiest things to use, but you have insurance. Almost all of us who have some type of medical insurance will have a directory of preferred providers. That's the kind of universe we live in nowadays. So looking at the 
provider guide provided by your insurer. And a lot of older adults have Medicare, but they also have secondary insurances. And it's really, really important to understand what provider and what facility accepts your members, your, your relatives' health insurance and health coverage. You know, Medicare is kind of like universally accepted, but Medicaid is not. An HMO product is not. So it's very important to look at these different insurance guides and go to the providers that they recommend. It's like, well, how do I know which one's good? How You won't know how good they are until you walked into the office. And as I said, if you remember, you need to go to the doctor that you feel comfortable with. So that's some great information. We need to be proactive. We need to utilize all the tools that we have on the Internet through your insurance company, through medical societies, to find that perfect fit and find that perfect doctor for your loved one. Mm -hmm. Great advice, Dr. Parker. And we'll talk more next time. Thank you for inviting me. We hope you enjoy our podcast. Please visit our Facebook page, My Parents Are Now My Kids, and on Instagram at My Parents Are Now My Kids. And if you have any questions for us, please email us at myparentsarenowmykids at gmail.com. See you next time.